0: If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and key stage one education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. In the lead up to the start of the new school year, I just wanted to highlight some of the Early Excellence Podcast episodes that will really help you get ready for September. So have a listen to this series of episodes. This episode is all about being ready for the new school year, and whenever you choose to listen, I hope you find it useful. Now, whether you're new to the EYFS or a more experienced early years teacher, being ready for the new school year is crucial if you're going to get off to a good start. Effective EYFS practice requires a clarity of vision and this time before the new school year begins provides the perfect opportunity to create clear plans and organize furniture and resources effectively so in this extra episode of the, of the podcast luella ivans and i we talk about all of the things that will need to be in place so that the new school year really gets off to a flying start
1: So in today's episode we're going to be talking all about setting up for September and getting our classrooms ready for the children to enter and hit the ground running in September. Now It's the time of year, naturally, where we're going to be thinking about getting things ready and we might be getting excited. Perhaps we're moving down to the EYFS for the very first time, which can be really exciting. Or perhaps we're coming into a brand new school, changing settings and we've got a new classroom or brand new school to get used to as well. That can all be quite daunting, but at the same time, it can be quite an exciting prospect. You might even be an ECT and this is your very first time setting up your own early years classroom. So lots of exciting things to be thinking about but it's a making sure that we get it right as well. I think it can be easy sometimes to fall into that that pitfall of Pinterest sometimes and focus on getting the classroom looking beautiful and looking shiny and exciting. But actually, what we really want to think about is how we can make the most of that space and really get it right. Because we know in the early years, the environment is so important. We know that that's where children will do most of their learning and we need to have it bang on and spot on so hopefully today we can give you some tips around kind of looking at your environment auditing that space and really thinking about what you need to get ready for september so andy's here with me andy you've obviously moved classrooms quite a few times um over the over the years have you kind of got any top tips for for a starting point for us if we're starting off reviewing that space
0: yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I think as you move classrooms or you move into a new school building or, or um, you're starting new within a school, it's important, I think, to really take stock at that point because you're at a really important stage there where you are seeing the room or seeing your environment very much with a new pair of eyes. I think when we've been teaching for a little while... Um, we get used to seeing our provision in the same way. We get used to seeing the home corner in that area of the room or we get used to seeing the space being used in the same way that it perhaps has been for a while. Whereas when you start within a new school or um, within a new classroom, I think you're in a really great position in that you start to see it well you're, you're seeing it with a new pair of eyes and you can look at it critically. And so I think the important thing to do at that stage is to make sure that you ask plenty of questions. Ask lots of questions about why certain things are where they are. Ask lots of questions about why the classroom is used in that way, about which doorways are used perhaps, or, or why is it that we do things in that way? Is there a reason for it? And at this stage, look out for the sorts of things that actually where the reasons are not now relevant. Sometimes you find that the reasons for the way things are being done are actually historical, that they're not actually now relevant. So look out for that. And do ask lots of questions about the space itself and how it's used. I think you were saying, Luella, that you'd got um that you'd had that experience where you'd you'd gone into a, a new a new school where you had been asking those sorts of questions about the spaces.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um What happened was I actually moved from from a different key stage into early years for the first time. And when I came into early years, it was so exciting. Um, And it was nice to be kind of using those skills and my background and things like that, which was all really exciting. But actually, when I stepped into the space, um, which were two reception classrooms side by side with interlocking doors, And it had a kind of a sliver of an outdoor space, which was fine and it was okay. But we know that children need to be moving more than that. So, um, for me, I looked at that space and I thought, okay, if this is got what I've got to work with, I'll work with it. Um, but I actually went to have a look around the whole of that kind of area of the school. And I noticed that the the nursery class was a lovely large space and it had access to this wonderful um, large outdoor space with grass and um, loads and loads of room for children to explore. And actually that was really rare in an inner city Birmingham school. Um, but it was wonderful that the children had that. And then what I noticed was that there were two Year One classrooms that also had the same kind of in, interlocking doors between the rooms, but they had um, outdoor access to that nursery outdoor space. Um, and when I spoke to the Year One teachers, I, I found out that they didn't really use that space at all. It was just used for the nursery. So I asked those questions of of the senior leadership team, and and you know said, "Is there any possibility that Reception and Year One could do a swap?" Could we move reception classrooms into year one and year one into reception? Because then reception would be able to share the same outdoor space as nursery and would have access to that large space. But year one would also get their own smaller outdoor space that they could use for inquiry learning as well. So I think it's just about being brave and asking those questions, because when I did ask the question, the answer was, yes, let's do it. Um, And actually, it was great and it really worked and it stayed in that same kind of way now for those classes. But You have to challenge the thinking, don't you, Andy? You have to really think about the space objectively and what's best for the children. And it might not be what the adults always want. I know moving classrooms sometimes is is a real mean feat, isn't it? Um, You do have to move absolutely everything. But it's about thinking what's right for the children and just reviewing the setup, whether it works or not. Um, I think sometimes we do things just because they've always been done that way. Um, And often, sometimes the physical classroom space isn't always the best it could be. So definitely worth challenging that thinking um, and really asking those questions.
0: Absolutely. I think the other thing that I, from from my experience, I I think the, the key thing also that is is probably most most specific to the early years is that of course, within the early years, we work within a team. So we have a team of adults around us generally, you know, whether that be one or two people, or it may be a bigger team that you have. And that if you're new coming into this classroom or new coming into this school, the other adults will be quite wary of change. They'll be quite cautious about change about not sure not being sure as to whether you're going to bring a lot of change with you for example and i do think whilst it's important to look at the space with a, as i say with a new pair of eyes and to really think critically about it at the same time to take people with you on that journey is important Absolutely. you know to make sure that you that you talk with the rest of the team that you share your thinking with the rest of the team and you you, you gain that information and you gain their trust, really. So you find out actually how it currently operates and you gain, you gain trust, really, through being part of this together. So one key piece of advice from, from my point of view would be to try not to make lots of big changes without other members of your team being around. It's always very tempting, I think, to go in during the school holidays when there's nobody else around and to change absolutely everything so that you can say, wow, look at all of this that I've now put in place. But you've got to be quite careful with that, I think, in that if the rest of your team that haven't been part of that then come in and are upset that you have moved something or upset that you have changed something and they're now they are now kind of all at sea in terms of not knowing where things are, then actually that can, take a, that can take a while to build that trust back up. It's a tricky one because it's a balancing act. We want to make changes. We often will want to make changes. But I think we've, we've also got to remember that it's a team effort. And if you change a lot of things without that team, particularly if you're a new team, it can take a while to build that trust up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we think about early years you know, like you said, we always think holistically and we always think about every adult as being just as important in that room. So I think the same goes for setting up that space as well. You want to have that buy-in and you want to have everybody feeling like they have ownership over that space. And it's a bit like we would always say, wouldn't we, that you wouldn't make any massive changes to your space without consulting the children. So why would we not consult the other adults as well? I think that's always worth thinking about. Yeah.
0: Definitely absolutely um, so then we, we're moving into our, our new, new space our new classroom first thing to think about and, and to, to, to wonder about is are the different spaces being used as effectively as they could be so are they currently set up and are they used are they being used as effectively as they could be? if not, are the reasons for that are there reasons that you as a person who is new to the space can spot that you might be able to notice that other people can't notice or have stopped noticing. For example, is there there an issue in terms of the flooring? Are you restricted in terms of your classroom space because of the type of flooring that you have within it? If so, then I certainly think it's worth asking that question. You know, is the flooring stopping you being able to have a wider range of opportunities, a broader range of different areas of provision. If so, that's certainly well worth raising, isn't it? You know, If you're not able to have the same tactile experiences of sand and water and dough, perhaps, as well as paint and workshop, because of the the amount of carpet space that you've got, then that seems to me like that we're losing quite a lot through the choice of flooring. So that's certainly something to look out for. I would also look out for um, the idea of of the space itself and whether it's being used overall as effectively as it could be. So things like, for example, where the carpet area is, is that being used effectively? Is it being used effectively all of the time? Is that carpet space in the right place within the room or does it get in the way? Um, What about the doorways in and out? Are we using the right doorways to access different things? So would it be easier if actually the at the beginning and the end of the day that children came in or went went out using a different doorway? Or do you end up with issues at that time in the day? Those are all sorts of things that actually you can spot as a new person quite often that have perhaps just become part of a routine that people don't notice anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think as well, Andy, it, we see this a lot as... um early excellence consultants don't we where we go out to do um classroom design plans with some of the schools and we can spot some things that that might be causing those real issues sometimes and they can be things like coat pegs being inside the classroom actually if they're inside the classroom and they're dominating one whole wall that then can't be used um for provision is there anywhere else those shelves could go or uh, the coat pegs could go can we be creative with that um and and thinking about things like the amount of tables that are in the room um how can we strip that back so that there's enough room for provision but there's also enough room for children particularly in reception and year 1 where they may need group time as well so it's about finding the balance and and like you say Andy asking those questions especially if you're new to a school it might that the answer is yes you can do those things actually things have just been done in the same way for such a long time and um, that it's perfectly reasonable I think to to ask those questions yeah
0: definitely I think um, I think that idea of, of making sure you're using the space effectively is, is key um, so like you say with the cloakroom pegs for example they take up a lot of room a lot of classroom space that you don't necessarily need to be using in that way. Um, also storage I think is important to consider um, and to differentiate between storage that's there for the children, as in it's, uh, it's provision and it's there as, as part of a provision area. So storage for the children to access would be one thing alongside storage, which is storage in order to keep something for another time or another day. And the two things are different. And I think very, it's really important, I think, as somebody who is new to an early years space, an early years environment, to really look at, look critically at the classroom space. Is a lot of the space being given over to storage of, of resources? Not for the children to access, but storage of resources. Because if so, then really, is there a better way of doing that? Is there a different space that could be used for the storage of resources? Storage, I tend to find, is a really big issue when working in the early years. We all find, we always find, as, as teachers in the early years, or as practitioners in the early years, I think pretty much everybody would say that we haven't got enough storage. Absolutely. Nobody ever has <laughs> enough storage. Um, you know. And I've been to so many settings and worked with so many settings where... You know, sometimes people will have just one cupboard and it'll be full and they'll say we haven't got enough storage. And, and they could well be right. Um, but then you also go to another school where they've got a huge room, you know, a porter cabin or something like that, and they're using that for their storage. And it's a massive space and they filled it. I tend to find that whatever space we have got for storage, we will fill it. We will keep filling. We, I think it's just what we do. We will just yes. fill it. And so I do think we've got to be really careful that all of that doesn't then encroach on our classroom environment. Because if we're using our classroom environment just for storage, then the chances are it's using up space we could have been using for provision. I think, I think we've got to be quite careful about that. So I think as a, as a starting point, I would look at what you've got stored and whether you need it. Now, in order to do that, I would go through an auditing process. And we've got materials and resources that can help you with that. We've we've put together resources and materials that that will help you with with that auditing process. But I'd be looking at... When you look at what resources and materials you've got overall, I'd be looking to categorise them, basically. So to make sure that they earn their place in your classroom or in your storage area. And the way that I would do that is to, to really make sure that to be very clear as a team that a resource, if you're keeping it, that it's either got to be continuous provision, a continuous provision resource. That means it will be there all of the time. It will be out in your classroom all of the time. Or it will be an enhancement and by enhancement I mean it will be a resource that you will bring out probably for a short period of time usually based on a, a project or a topic or a predictable interest so it might be it might be something linked to mini beasts or something linked to superheroes or something linked to Christmas perhaps a, a, a set of resources or, or, or a few resources based around something you're going to need for a short period of time, something that's going to be added to your provision at some point in the year. OK, so it's either continuous provision or it's an enhancement. And if it's neither of those things, do you need it for your directed teaching? OK, so is it, a, is it a, a resource that you're going to need to use for directed teaching or group work? Now, if it doesn't fit into any of those three categories, if it's not a continuous provision resource that you would have out all of the time, or an enhanced provision resource, or a directed teaching resource, then do you need it? When was the last time it was used? Ask questions about the resources. What do the children do with them? What do the children do with this resource? Does it lead to lots of possibilities? Does it lead to lots of opportunities for language development does it lead to children making links or making connections how how is this resource used when it is available because what you'll find what you often find are that there are some resources that are there that actually don't usually come out that often and they don't come out that often because actually when they do come out they often lead to issues, they cause, you know, they lead to certain issues in terms of the children, or the children don't know what to do with those resources, or they lead to um, behaviour is- is- issues, perhaps in terms of the children not using them as they should, or whatever it might be, and that those are the sorts of resources that actually we probably don't need. Also, look out for resources that, that don't offer something more than what the children are likely to have at home. Mm. OK, so resources like resources that, that are maybe have been donated at some point from by families, you know, those sorts of resources.
1: I think sometimes Andy you can as a teacher especially we know budgets are tight in school it's easy to say yes to everything isn't it everything that you're offered by a parent or another teacher it's easy to to fall into that trap of saying yes yes we'll have that and then what we end up is with lots of closed resources that don't offer open-ended possibilities we might end up with kind of princess castles or remote control cars or all those sorts of things that actually when we look at the learning possibilities they're very very limited and actually we know children have those sorts of resources um, and toys at home and that's perfectly fine for the home environment but I think you're definitely right there don't fall into that pit pitfall and that trap of of saying yes to everything and that can be really hard um but be be really ruthless I think is probably the word with um what you've got and when you especially if you're new to a classroom you might open that cupboard for the first time and it's absolutely jam-packed full of stuff um I think our advice here would be get everything out And like Andy said, really audit it and look at it and be really ruthless. If you feel that it doesn't meet one of those three categories, continuous provision, enhanced provision or used for your directed teaching input, then it's probably not earned its place on your shelf and your storage space. So think about it in that sense as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I I think it's important, as you mentioned just before, to think about the resources that you have as resources and for it not for them not to be called or looked at as toys. I think toys usually are something quite closed in terms of what the children can do with them and they're usually things that the children will have already at home. So I would look beyond the idea of it being toys and look for that kind of the higher ground as an educational establishment and say, well, actually, we don't have toys. We have resources here. I think that's something to aim for. But do, do this as if you can do it as a team so that you've got ownership together as a team as to what's staying and what you're not keeping. And so that you've got that, that understanding as to what resources earn their place and why because that is the beginning of the planning process really that that beginning of actually why do we have this resource why has it earned its place within our classroom is really the beginnings of continuous provision planning really um there are lots of uh, i mentioned just before lots of resources on the um, early excellence website that will really help you in getting started with reviewing your provision and really thinking carefully about what resources you, you perhaps need to have within those different provision areas and what materials to really consider that should earn their place within those different spaces of your room. Um, you'll find them on, if you go to the Early Excellence website, go into the Ideas and inspiration section on the Early Excellence website there's a there's a section on with audits in there's a section with um some continuous provision plans within there are also training also training videos, one on room planning, which is a, a great one for you to get started on in thinking about the key principles of organising that new space as well. Um, you were going to tell us about the audit, weren't you, Luella?
1: Yeah, there's um we've actually got a free audit on the website. So you can audit your indoor provision and your outdoor provision. Um, but it it basically breaks down your indoor provision into different areas so for example investigations and problem solving or language and literacy or math science and engineering and it's broken down and the audit tool allows you to review which continuous provision areas you could have in your classroom that would support that key area of learning. So, for example, if it is the investigations and problem solving um, areas, then you could have a water area, dry sand area, wet sand area, a dough area. So on the audit tool, you can actually tick against that to say whether you've got those things and they're ready and they're resourced and they're set up. And then you can also look at the resources that sit alongside that. So have you got water resources that support math, science and storytelling? Have you got dough resources that support investigating materials and pretend baking? So you can go through the audit tool and you can tick it off and you can give yourself a score out of eight for each of those sections. And then when you add your scores up at the end, it will tell you where you're you're fitting in to um, how prepared you are, I guess, for your indoor environment. So it will show you whether you need to um, look at a bit more support around that or setting up some other areas or thinking carefully about a specific area of learning or it might tell you where. Um, you can add in some other bits to really enhance and support that learning. So they're all free. they're as Andy said, they're on the ideas and Inspirations tab, and I think it's a really good starting place um, for you to have a look at that as you're looking through your environment and thinking about the space that you've got, the resources that you've got, and how ready you are really for September.
0: Very good, yes, yeah, so so yeah, lots to think about there um, what we're, what we 're moving towards, of course, is that once you 've audited that provision, once you 've thought about that idea of of what you 're going to have within your classroom environment as a whole, that auditing process will be the starting point of. Really planning carefully what continuous provision resources you're going to have within that environment. So that within the water area, for example, you're going to have a core set of materials and resources that you know and your team know are going to be available all year round. They're going to be available right the way through the year. And because they're going to be available right the way through the year, they have to have earned their place on that shelf that we can't just have things that have ended up there or just the things that you happen to have. They've got to be things that actually we know why we're offering it. And that every single member of the team know exactly what those resources are called and why we've got them there. So that we might have not lots and lots of buckets, for example, but two or three buckets that have been organized so that you can, you've got a small, a medium and a large, perhaps, in terms of capacities. So that you've got, perhaps one of the buckets is a clear bucket. Maybe one of the buckets has a spout for pouring. So that there are subtle differences. Maybe one of them you can me- has a measurement within, so that you can measure or see, see how much water is contained within that bucket. So that within three different containers there, you've got lots of possibilities, not lots of resources. What we're, what we're, mov- what we're getting away from, really, is that idea of, of having lots of stuff or lots of resources. Instead, what we're aiming for are lots of possibilities. So having, having lots of possibilities with fewer resources, that's always more effective. So from things like measuring cylinders to scoops to a small set of buckets that have been carefully chosen, to small containers so that you can explore smaller smaller capacities. Within a water area, we'd also be looking at things like um, materials for exploring transporting water, so tubing and funnels. We'd be exploring things like um, containers with holes, like a colander. Um, Water wheels, all of those opportunities for water to to flow in different ways and for for us to be able to explore the properties of water. And then also we'd be looking at imaginative play within water. So sea creatures, divers, seashells, um, things like um, pebbles or stones or driftwood. All of those sorts of different kinds of imaginative things not lots of anything, we don't need lots and lots, but that the number of possibilities is what we're aiming for here. And it's that range that I think really does lead to the effectiveness of an area of provision. And it, all of that, of course, has to be carefully planned for. So alongside the audit tool that Luella and I just mentioned, there's also in the same section in the ideas and inspiration section on the website, there is a section on continuous provision planning as well. And there are some examples of continuous provision planning that you can access for free and there are also our continuous provision planning guides as well that are to purchase. And both are great resources, you know, really, really helpful resources, particularly if you're new to it. You know, if you're coming into this new and you're looking for that support and guidance, both are great resources. So, um, so yeah, really, really being very clear about what we mean by planning, that planning isn't just the short term planning that you do every week. Planning is about planning for the whole environment. It's about planning for what goes into that classroom. It's about planning for how you use the space and planning for which areas of provision you have and what resources go into those areas of provision, as well as how those materials are stored and what the role of the adult is within that space. And those continuous provision plans and also the continuous provision planning guide um, will help you with all of those decisions. So there you go. I hope you found that our discussions useful. And now if you're getting your classroom environment ready, whenever that might be, you know, in terms of getting it ready for the new school year. Some people will be doing that right now. Other people will leave it until later on before the new school year starts. Whenever whenever that might be, then do let us know how you get on. Um, Send photographs, share with us how how you've got on. Are you happy with your your classroom environment, how it's set out? Which area are you proudest of? Let us know. Um, So share it with us on Early Excellence. It would be really great to hear from you. Um, You'll be able to connect with us on pretty much all of the social media platforms, apart from TikTok, Um, not on TikTok just yet. But other than that, you'll be able to connect with us. So, yeah, it'd be great to hear from you. Also, if this episode has really got you thinking, then it's worth knowing that there are lots of free materials on the Early Excellence website that will also be, I think, a really big help. You know, from free training videos to blogs to actually lots more recorded episodes of the podcast. There are all kinds of things on there. So you just go to earlyexcellence.com, go to the ideas and inspiration section and you'll find all kinds of materials to support you with your practice. Okay. And that's about it from us. We'll be back with more episodes of the Early Excellence podcast in the autumn term. And we'll have lots to discuss, of course, lots of fascinating interviews, lots of information to share with you to support your practice, of course, as well. So until then, have a fantastic break, have a wonderful summer, and we will see you in the autumn term.